0: Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I met Jamie Lau three years ago in Los Angeles. She was employee number one at Go Get Em Tiger, which is an offshoot of a well known coffee shop in LA called GB. b was started by two folks. Charles Babinski and Kyle Glanville. And I mention them here since they show up a lot in this conversation. Charles and Kyle are two former baristas who worked for Intelligentsia Coffee, where Jamie used to work, one of the country's leading and most innovative coffee roasters at that time. And one of the things that made g and Go Get Em Tiger unique was that it was a coffee business started by actual baristas people who had worked on the floor and interacted with coffee and customers daily. Jamie worked for Go Get'em Tiger for almost nine years. She served as their director of cafe experiences, which she admits is an unheard of title, but meant that it was her job to make sure that the stores ran consistently. But it also meant that she checked in with employees and was there to listen to them, to hear their ideas and their aspirations. A lot of what informed Jamie's day-to-day work was her years of experience working as a barista on the floor and knowing firsthand what baristas face on a day-to-day basis. I imagine this is a common hurdle in any industry. You can tell when a restaurant is run by cooks and chefs versus rich entrepreneurs who simply wanted to open a business, for example. Jamie's approach to her job involved a lot of kindness, a lot of care, and a simple wish to be her employee's biggest cheerleader. And I want to say before we get into this episode, that I've never heard anybody recount such specific conversations with their bosses and leaders as you're about to hear in this episode. Throughout, Jamie recounts in almost shocking detail conversations she's had with both Charles and Kyle, that I think reflect how powerful, kind words and unabashed praise can be. It's kind of wild the words that we hear from others that we never forget. Here's Jamie. Jamie, I was wondering if you could start by introducing yourself.
1: Yes. Hello. My name is Jamie Lau. Pronouns are she, her... I live in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I previously worked for Go Get Em Tiger for the past eight and a half years. What was your job at Go Get Em Tiger? My job at Go Get Em Tiger was director of cafe experience. I mean, an unheard of title, so it just meant that I did a lot of things. But So let's talk
0: about your coffee background.
1: I would love to know how you
0: got into coffee, but usually I start these interviews with people's childhood experiences with coffee. So I was wondering if you grew up with coffee in your house at all.
1: Yes, absolutely. Grew up with coffee in my house. It was a smell that filled every morning that I tried to stay in bed and not go to school. My mom would make Folgers auto drip. That was pretty much it.
0: I love the association with the fact that you were, like, in bed trying not to go to school.
1: Like, maybe if I just sit really still, no one will notice I'm here. Yes. I was a pain in my mom's ass, for sure, for never getting out of bed (laughs) on time. I would sometimes sleep on top of my uh, uniform so that I was warm. For when I did actually get out of bed, it wouldn't, like, shock my body because it was so cold.
0: (laughs) When I was in middle school, I would—this makes no sense— So just go with it. I would set my alarm for really, really early in the morning and then put my clothes on for school and then get back in bed and then fall asleep for like an hour. And then right before I had to get into like the car for my mom to drive me to school, I, I would wake up like five minutes before that. And for some reason, like I would trick myself into thinking that that was extra sleep. I don't know, but... That's what I would do.
1: That's a good move. Well, even though I smelled the the coffee in the morning, I never was curious about what it tasted like because it was never offered to me and I never like thought to like sneak sips of it until I was like a little bit older.
0: Do you remember when you really first started enjoying drinking coffee or enjoying that
1: experience? Enjoying drinking coffee. Hmm. Yeah, I would say when I was in college, I began to enjoy it because a really good friend of mine who I met in college named Tug was really into coffee. He loved his French press, he loved his stovetop espresso maker. And even though he was a grad student and I was an undergrad, you know, he'd invite all his friends over to partake in his coffee ritual. And it was just nothing I had ever experienced before. Obviously, it was very different from the auto trip that my mom would make at home. Yeah, it felt very adult.
0: <laughs> Tell me about how you started working for. I feel like we might interchangeably use these. Maybe I will, and you're you're better about it. But I some I often associate G and B, which is a coffee shop in the L.A. Mar- what is that place called? Where it is?
1: Oh, the Grand Central Market.
0: It's in San Jose. So GMB is a gra- is a coffee shop in Grand Central Market, and then Go Get Em Tiger is, I guess you would call it a chain, a, a a chain of coffee shops with like multiple locations in Los Angeles, but owned by the same people. So we might use those names interchangeably. So I just wanted to clarify that for for people listening who maybe don't know for sure the difference. Um When I was talking about interviewing you, you mentioned that you were Go Get Em Tiger's very first employee. How did you start working
1: for them? So it feels like I've actually been working for the company longer than it existed because I was such a huge fan of both Charles and Kyle for so long. It must have been at the beginning of 2013. Their pop-up, at squirrel was beginning to wind down and they were about to set up a brick and mortar at the Grand Central Market for GMB. And at the time, I was a retail educator for the Venice location. I remember when those two had left, they wanted to make sure that they weren't burning any bridges, that everything was on good terms. They made sure that everyone who was a manager or educator in LA knew that they wouldn't take their baristas. You know, there's always this word, poaching, and I hate that word because it makes it sound like people don't have a choice in the decisions that they make for themselves. They made it clear that they wanted to make sure that if anyone from any of the stores wanted to work for them that they would absolutely connect with any of us first and just, you know, not like get the okay from them, but it's like, hey, heads up this and we're going to hire this person or what have you. When And even though Charles and I were friends, when I got the call, I thought to myself, holy shit, he's going to take <laughs> my best barista, Marcelina." Like, I don't know. I was, I was just like, okay, I'm getting ready for it. And when I picked up, he was like, how are you doing? Do you have a moment to chat? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And he kind of went right into it and was like, yeah, I was wondering if you might want to work together again. And I was a bit stunned because I was fully expecting him to tell me that so-and-so is going to, like, they want to hire so-and-so. From the store that I was at, he proceeded to praise me in a way that honestly, in the time that we worked together, I never really heard. Not because I just think that all of us kind of came up in coffee environments where, like, you never heard when you did a good thing, you only Mm -hmm. heard when you did the bad thing. He said to me that when he thought of all the people that he had previously worked with who he'd want to work with again, I was the first person that I thought of. Whether that be true or not, I will let Charles answer that. <laughs> I'm but... sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um and I was like, wow, that's that's really nice. And you know, he was like, No pressure, I'll give you some time to think about it. And I really did need time to think about it because it wasn't an immediate yes. Like I wasn't looking for a job at that time i was quite happy where i was and so when we finally met up and he told me what the idea was that it was going to be a second brand that was going to be called gogam tiger i was like are you sure about that and he was like yeah it's going to be called gogam tiger and i was like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> and he's like it's it- it's already done. It's, it's already done. It's set. I was like, no apostrophe? Like, No apostrophe. I was like, hmm, okay.
0: <laughs> I love this. Uh, I love this inside early, like, I don't know about this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I was being kind of a, an ass about it. But I had to ask that question because, you know, like if I'm going to like go along with it and represent this brand, I want to know why. He told me all these ideas about what, Gogam Tiger was going to be, that it was going to be different from GNB in that GNB is a bit more of an experimental stage. It's what especially coffee industry is looking at when they think about who is the best in Los Angeles coffee. And Go Game Tiger would have essentially the same menu, but would be a fully realized cafe. Gauguin Tiger was supposed to be the brand that was going to scale, that was going to grow because they wanted to have 30 stores uh, in 2020. I don't remember if it was 20 or it was 30, but he said the number and I was like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I fully knew what I was getting into from day one. I didn't know if this was going to be immediately successful. And at the right. time, I was already like a salaried employee of Intelligentsia. And, you know, he was honest with me like, this would be a step down for me, and that there weren't any positions apart from ones in the cafe for now that were hourly and that I would be taking a pay cut. So I had to think about it for a bit. And the thing that, that really pushed me over the edge was I respect Charles and Kyle so much and so much of what brought me to where I was at that time was everything that they had a hand in and I didn't know what was keeping me there. And if I couldn't name what was keeping me there, then take this opportunity and see where it goes.
0: Did you know at that kind of early stage that your career would kind of morph into helping build out like all these different locations or were you just kind of jumping in on a leap of faith that like i think this is going to grow i think this is going to be something and this is a risk but like i want to be part of this like did you know what like your career was going to look like at that point
1: i had no idea absolutely no idea it was more the latter for sure i really just wanted to enjoy where i was enjoy the people that I worked with make really fantastic coffee like in the beginning we were a multi roaster and one of the things that i absolutely loved about being a multi roaster was the way that we selected coffees was completely blind so all the coffees on the table were like samples that different roasters across north america would send us and Whatever was tasting best on the table was the coffee that we were going to buy and serve. And that was at that time like, really meaningful to me. But I didn't think that I was like going to grow <laughs> into the person or the responsibility of replicating that.
0: When did that start becoming clear that this is the role that either maybe you wanted to pursue or? maybe somebody asked you hey like this is where we see you kind of growing into like when did that role start becoming kind of apparent that like you're going to be the director of cafe experiences like go at it
1: maybe it must have been in 2015 or maybe 2016 it was when there were only two stores still so g&b at the grand central market and then Again tiger at larchmont we had done or we were going to do a pop up in Silver Lake. It was very short lived. It was in a location formerly occupied by a restaurant called Lucky Duck. So we would call it the Lucky Duck pop up. At that time, the Go Get Em Tiger Lucky Duck pop up was staffed with people who worked at GMB. And not people who worked at Gogam Tiger, and there was like a technical reason for it, like a a sort of legal reason for that. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it it struck me because there were so many people who like, and when I say so many people, there were maybe eight baristas at Larchmont at that time. But some of those breezes were people that I wanted to see grow. The people who were at the time shift leads at Larchmont, well, they weren't going anywhere. I didn't know how to create opportunities for those people to grow into more responsibility. They never talked about you know, leaving, but in my mind, it's like they're doing the job of some of these shift leads. I want them to be able to do more and to be recognized for that and compensated for that. I remember calling Kyle just randomly was sitting in the office at Larchmont because I was so upset that these people weren't being considered for these positions um, because Lucky Duck had already been staffed. And I immediately told Kyle like, hey, if you haven't like hired for, oh, backtrack, some context, we knew that we were going to open up a store in Los Files, which is why we did the pop-up in Silver Lake, to have a presence in that general region. Mm -hmm. When I was talking with Kyle on the phone, I told him, I don't know if you've already hired someone for the GM position. At the time, I was the GM of Larchmont. I don't know if you've hired someone for the GM position of Los Files. But if you haven't, I would like to throw my name in the hat, in the ring, whatever you want to say. At that time, I didn't really know how those decisions were made. So for me to even say that, I think he probably laughed at me for (laughs) for assuming that, you know, they were already hiring a GM for that store, especially if it wasn't going to open for like another year. And he was like, why are you asking me that? and I told him straight up, there are two people in this store that I want to see grow. And I really wish that they were considered for the Lucky Duck pop up. But I feel like the only way for people to grow is for me to leave. As much as I absolutely enjoyed working with everyone, I knew that me moving was going to create paths for growth. He was like, got it well Jamie if you want it it's yours Like, it was like just as easy as that and I was like oh okay and he was like but yeah he's like but you know there's going to be a lot of opportunities like we're going to open up a lot of stores and I was just worried about the timeliness of that like I didn't want to like make anyone wait for that but I had to express that because it was just bugging me and he heard me and understood what I was concerned about and appreciated me sharing it. So it was at that time that I was like, okay, I clearly, like, I didn't think that I wanted to work at any of the other stores until I saw people within my own store not being able to grow. I felt like I was taking up all the space. I wanted to move out of that space into a different space. And then when I was at Los Feliz, it was clear to me that I cared a lot about making sure that there was consistency across like all stores in terms of the service, the culture. Those things were just paramount to me.
0: And at that point, is that when you folks kind of came up with this idea of like, we need somebody who can ensure that consistency?
1: I think it wasn't until... The end of 2017, that I really was beginning to transition into into this position, into a like a version of this position. I think I probably had like a few performance reviews with Charles and Kyle about where I see myself in five years and what it is that I want to do. I would speak really broadly about those things and. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I wanna be happy. Like, maybe, (laughs) maybe I wanna have a family, like a a house. Like, (laughs) um, none of those things were really related to how my life changes at work. I just knew what I wanted, like, the end result to be. When Kyle had floated the idea of this position to me, I definitely jumped at the opportunity because. I had said in so many ways in almost all of my performance reviews that I wanted to be able to replicate like the style of service that we do at the store everywhere because I think it doesn't require specific humans to do it like it, it doesn't require that this configuration of me this person this person this person to execute like the best service possible like I think we can teach people to do that I wanted to believe that that and so i was like let's do it like i'm i'm ready to like take that challenge and so opening los filas and being the gm of that store helped me to realize like what was possible like if that was even something i was capable of doing And i feel good about the work that i did there so <laughs> i think a lot of people
0: feel good about the work that you did there and just in general um nice <laughs> I, th- I I everyone. mean th- yeah uh I think so. I think that that's that's the general con- I've never met a person who I'm like, "Hey, you know Jamie Loud? And they're like, "Oh, yeah, her. She's the worst." Like I've never heard that. So. <laughs> oh, thank
1: God. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm going to take a larger poll after we release okay. this episode yeah, and I'll I'll report fair. the findings to you. Absolutely. Um, but I think it is really interesting that you identified that as like I want to be able to replicate like how successful we are at serving coffee in this location. And I believe that that's not just like about the, like the math of these people all working together in a certain way that it can be taught. And it does seem that like combining your focus on like helping people grow and be happy and then teaching them and giving them the skills to execute this high level of service. Like you saw kind of the, the meeting point, the intersection of those two things.
1: Absolutely. I wasn't sure if there were other people in the store that felt the same way. And I truly felt like in those days, everyone who worked at g and and everyone who worked at Go Game Tiger at Larchmont were like, we are the only people that can do this. And I love that about them because they took a lot of pride in the work that they did. And they knew how special it was that people just kept coming back. I think everyone who has worked in cafes knows what it feels like to bring a new employee into the fold and how difficult it is to either be that new employee or to be someone who works with that new employee where are they going to figure it out? Are people going to be like, I don't want coffee from that person because I don't know them. I firmly believe that those new people could do exactly what we were doing but we needed to coach them into it yeah
0: yeah i feel like every coffee shop i've worked at in some way there's this like magical configuration of people where like you feel like you feel like on top of the world right like you're like we totally understand each other and we know what this is like and i think that as i've gotten older i realize like this is cool this is fun but like people come and go for good reasons Ideally, sometimes for bad reasons, but like people want to grow and do different things. People move, people just move on with their own lives. And like we have to ensure that people who come into that new sort of position feel like they can be successful, that it isn't just some like some magical stroke of like genius that like these four people like work together really well, because that can feel also really alienating if you're that new person.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly alienating and it. Can sometimes create resentment among coworkers, and that's awful. But I also think that, like, when you're a more experienced barista, like, one of your responsibilities is to make sure that people have a better experience being a new barista in any space, like a better experience than you ever had, because certainly most people's first experiences as a barista. Are never very pleasant. I mean, I can't think of someone who's like, wow, this was easy and everyone loved working with me immediately. Like, that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, especially when you're, you know, learning how to make coffee for the first time and you're struggling maybe to do latte art or like foam milk. And you're like, this is really hard. And I just want the support to like know that I can do this. Like, I can get to that point that you're at. I imagine that a lot of your job was a lot of like, this is going to sound really cheesy, but like a lot of heart work, like a lot of just connecting with people and being like, why are you here? And like, how can I help you be successful? How would you describe? I don't want to say how would you describe your job? But like, how would you describe the way that you connected with people to help them be successful?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right that it does require a lot of heart work. How to describe my job?
0: Like, no. I don't know. Like, I was a I was a teacher for a long, t- not a long time. That's, that, that's incorrect. I was a teacher for a year. And I feel like a lot of, like, my job was to, like, see what a person was doing and try to understand why they were doing it. Yeah. And not to be like, you're doing a bad thing and I'm going to admonish you. But, like, to step back and be like, if this person's not doing well on a test, why is that? Is it because there's something happening at home? Is there something distracting them is there something that's like getting in their way of their success like i imagine that that was probably a lot of your job too
1: absolutely yeah i remember in those early days being more involved in the hiring process now the the company has hr who is homegrown hr ian hamilton what's up former gm of gmb In those early days when we would onboard folks, do the walkthrough and the space, at some point we would sit down and one of the first questions I would ask people is, What do you want to get out of your time in this company? I never wanted to make the assumption that people were going to be there forever. I think that that's Mm -hmm. like an unhealthy assumption to make Mm -hmm. about anyone. That was a really important question for me to ask every single person because once I knew what they like and it's not that they needed to have a firm response but I wanted them to think about it it allowed me to ask that question again later in one-to-ones or check-ins and if I knew that someone was looking to grow into you know leadership positions that was super helpful to me and whether they were ready for it or not, I, it kind of gave me purpose to, to create a path for them to get to that point. And of course, at the end of the day, it's up to them to like, follow that path and meet me there. But I think just knowing what someone wants out of their time, wherever they are is super important. And if they're not meeting you know, the expectations to get onto that path, then I can be totally honest with them and they'll understand why I'm talking to them about that stuff. On the other hand, if they're not interested in growing, but they have interests beyond that are coffee company related, but not positions that exist yet. For example, at that time when I was initially managing Los Feliz, we weren't roasting our own coffee yet. And some people would come and they would say like that they would want to roast coffee one day. And it's like, well, you know, we're not roasters mm-hmm. yet. I think one thing that was always important to me and truly was always important to the founders of the company was for Gogam Tiger to be A stepping stone or a launch pad for someone to do whatever their next thing is even if it's not in the company so if you know having gogam tiger on your resume helps you to get that roaster position fucking great like (laughs) that's what we want for you of course you should still do your work well while you're here and be present but if you articulate like This is what I want. And I say, that's not something that exists here. However, I know that this other company is looking for a roaster or is like going to hire an apprentice roaster. Then I will have you in mind now and I can suggest those things to you. It's not important to me that you stay here if the thing that you ultimately want to do is elsewhere. Of course, I would be bummed to like lose a power player (laughs) over something like that, but I'm not going to like stop someone from growing that would that would hurt me more
0: one one of the reasons that i wanted to interview you was kind of on that premise that notion it almost seems that the ethos at gmb and go get Em tiger is very much about like we want people to be successful and we're never mad at them for doing what they need to do to be successful and i often feel like that's like the root of why people feel resentful of their jobs is that there's this feeling that we are supposed to give our employers loyalty beyond reproach no matter what like we're supposed to like live and die by this company and if it like can't fulfill our needs then like this is somehow our fault and that's why people often leave companies and like don't feel good about it hearing you talk about like this is okay if this is a stepping stone this is okay if this is not the thing that you want to do forever um number one is very realistic but number two also like almost turns the focus on the employee not the employer so it's like well what do you want and like how can we help you get there
1: i think a lot of the people that i've met and asked that question to never expected me to ask them that question they just weren't ready for that question but i'm like hey when it occurs to you just holler at me yeah i will i will listen (laughs) Um, right and everyone around you like whoever your manager is at the time or your lead like tell them that too. That's important to say.
0: Right. It's important to acknowledge that the people that work with us and work around us, like have hopes and dreams or like Mm -hmm. have ideas about that they want for their lives. You know, this capitalistic working world, assume that people are going to like fold themselves smaller to fit into their jobs, to fit into their roles. But it seems like you're going to, you're, you're just going to have a better time. Number one, Um, at work when like you feel like you can unfold like you can be all like parts of yourself um, in a way that feels genuine and feels like it will be supported and that's not intuitive like that requires someone like you someone who's the director of cafe experiences to like foster and I don't know that that's intuitive so it's really interesting that you like went into this job and started asking these questions without like really it seems like you weren't really coached in that direction. It seems like you kind of fostered that on your own. Like, where did that come from for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I really have to give it up to Charles and Kyle because, like, if I haven't mentioned them enough, they, they were the ones that empowered me to ask those questions. And even though they didn't ask me those specific questions... For myself you know when I was learning how to interview folks and by learning how to interview folks especially at Go Tiger and GMB like I didn't really mean <laughs> something um prescriptive necessarily it was me sitting down and like Sitting down with Kyle and Charles, at, so it was maybe a little bit intimidating because there's like three people that you're interviewing with. But in those early days when Charles and Kyle were doing um, the bulk of the interviewing, it was really important for them to get the most natural answers out of people. They just want to know that people want to do stuff, that they want to do cool stuff, <laughs> um, that they're motivated, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I get that. That makes sense.
1: But I also think that like maybe my time as a shift lead in the past or just as someone's peer made me realize how important it was to like have those conversations because it's clear that like coworkers know a lot about each other and I don't need to know as someone's manager all the details of their life, but sometimes They do want certain things to be considered. And sometimes someone just needs you to hold space so that they can be a better version of themselves in the space that they have to work in. And I got to do that and I wanted to do that. And it was um, really fulfilling for me.
0: I think at my very first coffee job... And I think I've mentioned this a couple of times on the show, but my boss was really great about telling people what they were good at. Mm -hmm. And I assumed that that was part of this job. Like I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like that's your job as a manager. And it felt good. Like I felt like I was like, oh, someone's noticing the work that I'm doing and is telling me what I'm good at and also identifying things that I might not have noticed. And like a couple of years later, I was working at another job and I asked my Coworker, I was like oh well what what like what do you think you're good at like I think I'm good at like this this and that and she was like I don't know what I'm good at and I was like has no one ever told you like has a boss never told you like you're good at these mm-hmm. things and she said no and I think for me like that was a moment where I realized that the thing that happened to me at that first job was not normal <laughs> like that was not a normal part of work even though I thought it was because it made me feel really good and it made yeah. me feel really empowered to be like Oh, I'm good at these things. Maybe this is the path I'll pursue because I'm good at X, Y, and Z. So, maybe I'll keep going in this direction, um or maybe I'll explore more skills that kind of involve this like w- other skill that she mentioned I was good at. Um it just feels like for most jobs that like we really don't focus on the people at all. We kind of like put people in place and then hope that like the company around it will kind of like inform like what they do next. Um, but that's where, like, these unequal ideas about, like, what loyalty is, about, like, turnover, about, like, that all all of that comes from, like, not treating people as people. And it seems like for you, because you were on the floor for so long, I'm going to go ahead and say because Charles and Kyle were also on the floor and they're also mm-hmm. ex-baristas, that, like, there is this deep sense of connection that you feel with people because they, you're, you're making coffee with them for hours and hours on day that, like, almost never escapes you. I have to hope. But it also seems like it informed the way that you really approached your job.
1: Yeah. I mean, tremendously. It, like, oh my gosh, you learn so much about your coworkers, not from hanging out with them outside of work, but from working beside them and doing the special dance that you do when you're in a high volume situation. I feel like my experience has been really unfortunately unique in that i would have people like charles in our previous job encouraging me to go for certain positions as were some of my peers but everyone was like incredibly qualified for like the same position you know and and then sometimes i see certain people who like i recognize when someone is is potentially like a good consideration for a position but like no one is telling them that like even their their gm's not telling them that or their peers are just like ah who cares who like you know they're just gonna choose whoever or they're gonna choose this person and it's like nah like everything you say in space like matters
0: i don't know like it's so it's if no one's telling you to believe in yourself and not to say that like you need external validation at all times but like it's hard to know what you are qualified at and like it's hard to know like what you are good at or what people see in you and i think as a manager of any type your job is to be like everyone's cheerleader in a way like your job <laughs> isn't to you're, it's like i have to imagine that you've thought of it this way too like your job isn't to micromanage like your job isn't to say like hey go like clean the condiment bar like your job yeah. is to be like what's happening around this this space and like who who needs to be told that like they're awesome? Like who needs that encouragement? Who needs that like power? Who needs like who needs to be seen right now?
1: Yes. Yes. I remember in probably in 2016 or 2017, Billy Hawkins who was the operations manager before leaving, which meant that he did like HR related stuff and Anyway, love Billy. He wanted to make sure that people could express praise to each other. And he would always say things like, I see you uh, (laughs) when someone would do something like really cool in the stores. And then that sort of evolved into these little note cards that we would write for each other. It was like, of course, like, Branded like Go a Tiger. And it would say at the top, I see you in a really cute font. And then someone could handwrite a note about something that they had observed about their coworker um, throughout their time on the floor. Anyone could write one to anyone. It could be like store internal, or it could be store to store, or like, you know, management to, to employee, employee to uh, management. It was great, um, but it was just kind of a reminder that people don't say the good things enough, and even if they did, they don't stick. It's easy to, to focus on the things that people are critical about.
0: I don't know. I hope people listen to this episode and take a minute to just like say something nice to somebody.
1: Yes, please. Please, everybody, say something nice to your coworkers, to your friends to anyone jamie thank you for taking time to chat with me i really appreciate it oh my gosh yeah i had a lot of fun just babbling on and on thank you ashley <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was jamie lau the former head of cafe experiences for go get em, tiger thank you so much for listening to this episode Say something nice to somebody if you've made it all the way to the end and we'll see you in two weeks.
1: I'm just looking for a better day.
0: Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com bossbarista boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody sharing on social media is also a huge help along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes as a small production. These things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode and tag us. That would be amazing. We're at boss barista podcast on Instagram and boss underscore barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.